Hello, and welcome to Blogs on Tape. Today's post is Conceptual Density, or What Are RPG Books For Anyway? Written by Joseph Manola, and originally published on his blog, Against the Wicked City, at udan-adan.blogspot.com. Conceptual Density or what are RPG books for, anyway? I recently picked up Shadows Over Vathak for free in an online sale. Summary, a perfectly good two-page setting document mercilessly stretched out to an interminably lengthy setting source book. And it got me thinking about, well, ideas. Imagine this situation. You're running a game of D&D and your players arrive at a new place, a tavern, a market, whatever, and you happen to mention that one of the people hanging around the place is a dwarf. This dwarf has no special significance, you just came up with him on the spur of the moment as the kind of person who might be in a place like this in D&D land. But one of the PCs latches onto him. She asks questions about him. She goes over and talks to him. She wants to know what a dwarf like him is doing in a place like this. At this point, you might have any number of brilliant ideas about how to work this dwarf into your campaign, but even if you don't, there are three options which are always available to you. Option 1, the path of least resistance. His name is, um, Dane Steelbeard. He's a blacksmith. He's short and muscular and he has a massive beard. He's in town to buy, um, mining equipment for his clan who operate an iron mine up in the hills. Anyone with even the most basic knowledge of traditional fantasy can come up with this stuff ad nauseum. It's boring and cliched, but it'll do until something more interesting comes along. Option two is the path of free association. His name is, um, Ronald Cakeman. He's a cat trainer who travels the land in search of designer shoes. His beard is dyed bright green, and he's wearing a bowler hat. He's embroiled in a sordid bisexual love triangle with a centaur and a harpy, and his sorrows have driven him to drink. And he rides around town on a yak. Coming up with stuff like this is easy because it is meaningless random bullshit. It's more fun and colorful than yet another beer-loving, axe-swinging dwarf with a bad Scottish accent, but it's also more disruptive and less likely to cohere with the rest of the setting. Too much reliance on this sort of free association will quickly turn your game into surrealist nonsense. Option 3 is the Path of Filler. His name is Dane the, uh, Corpulent. He's really fat and he has bright green eyes, and he works as a carpenter repairing the local mill, and he hates mice. This is the kind of stuff you can get out of a thousand random NPC traits tables. Random detail about occupation, random detail about appearance, random detail about personality. Just enough to distinguish him from the next dwarf, but nothing that's actually particularly meaningful or interesting. After all, why should your characters care if he has bright green eyes? Now, there are all kinds of other, better things you might do with him as well, but these three options are always available as a kind of baseline minimum. 
You can always fall back on cliches or invent random nonsense or string together plausible but irrelevant details until they accumulate into something resembling a rather boring person. They are the most basic implements in the GM's toolbox. I think it thus follows that if an RPG supplement is worth reading, let alone buying, it has to give you more than that. The contents need to be something better than you could come up with unaided, simply by following cliches and or random mad-libbing and or coming up with irrelevant filler. Otherwise, how have they improved your game? I say this because quite a lot of them don't. Like, they'll just detail an orc tribe in enormous detail, and it will be exactly what you would expect from the words orc tribe. They'll be fierce and warlike and brutal and love violence and live in caves and have a thuggish chief who likes throwing his weight around and a creepy shaman who's always demanding more sacrifices and you could have thought of all that yourself. It boils down to this orc tribe is a tribe of orcs who look like orcs and think like orcs and act like orcs and fight like orcs. Sometimes entire campaign settings will be like this, spending hundreds and hundreds of pages telling you that Yes, the not-Vikings sail around in longships and raid coastal settlements, and the not-Egyptians build giant monuments to their dead pharaohs, and all that other stuff that you could have guessed just from being given the most basic overview of the world. There's no added value. Or else they'll take the filler route, and just fill their word count with irrelevant detail. The headman of this village is tall and old and cheerful. The headman of that village has a long black beard and drinks too much. Maybe this isn't exactly what you would have come up with if you weren't inventing these NPCs out of whole cloth on the spur of the moment, but the chances are that if you had just made something up on the spot, then whatever you did come up with, possibly with the help of a random table or two, would have been just as good. What's the point of writing things down in full detail when a single random NPC quirks table could have done the same job a hundred times over? You've hopefully read Zach's One More Idea method for adventure writing, where you start off with something totally basic, a room with three weak monsters, then a room with one big monster, and just keep going back over it, adding one more idea to each concept each time until it's developed into something interesting enough to run. His example shows how adding just three ideas to each adventure element is enough to get you from a bare skeleton to a compellingly weird, densely interconnected scenario. But that only works if each idea is actually adding something worth having. If your first concept is a dwarf, and your next five ideas are loves gold, hates orcs, massive beard, expert blacksmith, and fights with an axe then, frankly, you might as well have stopped with idea number one. So this is where RPG books come in. They give you better material to work with. They're full of examples where the author added one more idea, and that idea was really good. Slumbering Ursine Dunes, for example, gave me Neanderthal cave dwarves with flint hammers and stone and metal robo-dwarves with robotronic eyes and evil space elves who talk and dress like Ming the Merciless. And since reading it, I have had that many more options available to me when thinking about what a random elf or dwarf hanging around in my games might be like. 
options which aren't just the same old cliches, and which are likely to be much more powerfully imagined and conceptually coherent than whatever randomness I might ad-lib on the spur of the moment. Most RPG supplements, even pretty dull ones, have at least one or two such ideas buried somewhere in them, but the really good ones will have stuff like this on almost every page. This is what I think of as conceptual density. That is, bar nothing, the single thing that I look for in most RPG materials. A weak book will take one moderately interesting idea, what if a bunch of kobolds started worshipping Cthulhu, and eke it out over 10 or 20 or 30 pages, filling in all the gaps with either cliché material, kobolds doing generic kobold stuff, generic Cthulhu cultist stuff, or a mixture of the two, or with the kind of random details which are no better or worse than the kind of stuff you could have come up with on the spot. A good book will use that one idea as a kind of basket into which it proceeds to stuff as many other new ideas as possible. Think of the sheer number of ideas packed into, say, Kelong, war-torn fantasy Cambodia, and animated stupas, and a river which is a naga, and it's stirring in its sleep, and its dreams are warping people into monsters. And a magical device is leaking arcane radiation into the water. And it collects in people's hands. And the villagers cut people's hands off to be safe. And those hands then animate and crawl around the countryside, strangling people. And, 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 and... I guess what I'm getting at is that, quite a lot of the time, I feel that a lot of the content in RPG supplements, especially adventure modules, is superfluous. Trolls raid nearby settlements, capturing villagers to sacrifice in an ancient stone circle in the hopes of awakening their ancient monster god, is a decent enough basis for an adventure. But if everything that follows is just pretty much exactly what your reader would have expected based on that description, trolls acting exactly like trolls normally do, villagers being cliched fantasy villagers, the monster god being a gribbly tentacle beast straight out of Cthulhu central casting, and so on, then you might as well just have left it as a one-line adventure prompt rather than writing a whole module about it. The extra page count should be justified by its content. It should be full of stuff that is, on average, better than most people are going to be able to come up with on the spot. My favorite RPG supplements are the ones in which the page count corresponds to the number of actual ideas, and thus maintain a very high level of conceptual density. One or two ideas in one or two pages is fine. Dozens of ideas in dozens of pages is fine. But a handful of ideas stretched out over dozens or hundreds of pages, shadows over Vathak style, is just wasting everyone's time. Probably coming next, Behemoth Pathfinder Mega Campaign A Rise of the Rune Lords distilled down into a single blog post. That was Conceptual Density, or What Are RPG Books For Anyway? Read by Nick L.S. Whalen. Blogs on Tape is a project that works with authors to create audio recordings of the best works in the OSR, hopefully making them more accessible to everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs>